Hi, I'm Lisa McEwen. And I'm Lisa Anita Wagner. And together we are She's Gotta Have It! Exclamation mark. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of She's, She's Gotta, Gotta Have It! it. Exclamation mark. We are here to discuss American Pie with our special guest, Mary Margaret. Would you like to introduce yourself? I am a performer. I do circus arts. I'm a static trapeze specialist. And my background is in writing with brain English and creative writing. I selected American Pie because it was a very important movie to when I was coming of age in the 90s and how it was the movie about sex. Nice. Well, that was a lovely intro. And thanks for saying why you brought it because we actually often will start with that and you just tied it in right at the beginning. So yeah, what we want i can go first awesome what i want what i've been craving for a while i was just telling these ladies before we started that i had been i've come through like a crazy amount of pain and work at the same time also at the same time with a lot of good news so it's just a lot and mm. i right now feel like I can actually barely keep my eyes open. I feel like when I'm looking at something, they literally kind of shake down and I end up looking at the floor. So it's just this like new level of tiredness. So what I want, I want to do as little as I can. And I want to figure out, remember when we were at the cottage, Lisa, and I had that idea of like mind silence and that basically where you had nothing to do next for a while. It's not feasible for like a super amount of time, but I think I want to try to figure out how to bring that quality into my weeks. I'm not nearly as busy, but I have a couple things a week that are still a couple things too many for the place I've been in for a couple weeks. So I'm trying to figure out how to even more nurturingly and gently, and it's not even slowing down. I really can't go any slower. Like I, some days I literally just write two emails because I'm so flaring for so long. It's really, I think about taking myself off the hook for everything. Cause that's what I need. Like at the cottage, I was like, there's nothing. I, I can't go clean the kitchen. Do you know what I mean? Like there's nothing I can do at the cottage. Well, I guess I could, but that'd be weird. But like, it's, there's nothing to do, but sit at the water, sit on the grass, go for a walk. So I want to try to bring that feeling here and not be like, oh, right. There's 35 emails I need to do for the caravan <laughs> and X, Y, Z. I guess being mindful about my time. And I think it is taking myself off the hook for doing nothing for a while or whatever that might look like. Some version of that. That's what I, I want. I love that because I haven't had quite as bad a time as, as you have, but I've had a very stressful month. I had a couple of dental crises. Everything's fine. My tooth is fixed, but uh, I had to go to the dentist three times this month. That was very stressful, even though it's a very safe environment because they're very cautious. And now my dental team has all been vaccinated. It's great. It's still stressful to go inside somewhere and not wear a mask. It feels like viscerally terrifying. A friend of mine thought she might have covid and I had been walking with her the day before. It turns out she did not have COVID, but I've had these like, and I've also had a lot of grading and I had a conference. I've had these like anxiety spikes all month. I finally finished a huge load of grading this week. 
And for about three days, I just needed to do nothing because I was just exhausted. Like I couldn't even enjoy the time off. Like I was just too tired. And I had a great meeting with my supervisor yesterday or a couple of days ago. Time has lost all structure. So what's nice is that I'm on track for handing stuff in. There are expectations there, but no one's going to hold me to a specific date because it's COVID. And part of the reason for that is the professors themselves can't really promise to sort of get coordinated for the summer. So I might be doing my defense at the end of the summer just because their schedules are all messed up from COVID and their energy levels and everything. And so I was like, oh, okay. So like Alice and I have a deadline for June and I feel good about that. I don't have to worry about killing myself, which is what I really need right now. And so I was like, I can just now, now that I've rested and now that I feel okay again, I can actually just take a week and do the same thing. And just like, I need to just, we were talking about trying to find the joy in small things and how hard that is. Genuinely, I need to go for some walks in the like not freezing cold winter. It's not summer yet, but it's like so much nicer. And I need to just read some books that I want to read. And I need to just do some nice things that are not necessarily fancy and exciting, but just to just really like let myself off the hook for doing something productive every day and and really just try and have a week of a, a nice sort of staycation with myself and then I can get back to doing work. I really re- noticed it at your cottage when I had that notion of, I had mind silence during that time. And I felt like a little kid. It was like, what do I do next? And, and I was like, that's what I need. I think that's what the world needs, <laughs> obviously. And it's super hard, but I just really realized that at that point. So awesome. Shall we on to American pie? Let's yes. do it. Mary Margaret, do you have any initial thoughts? The biggest impact for me is actually the scene with Nadia where Jim sets up a webcam and then films her and ends up broadcasting it to the entire student body. I think that this is kind of a forerunner for sex tapes. And one of the things that I've thought about with sex tapes is that frequently within like celebrities sex tapes are usually labeled as a woman's sex tapes you know if you think about the early 2000s when Paris Hilton had her sex tape it's never really talked about who else was in the sex tape even though it's a heterosexual dynamic but it's always Paris Hilton's Mm -hmm. sex tapes and that women are within the heterosexual dynamic women frequently received the like negative response about it because Nadia gets shipped back to whatever country she's from. And what happens to Jim? Nothing. I mean, and like nothing formally. I mean, he is made fun of by the student body, but it wasn't because he violated consent and privacy. It was because he just wasn't able to stand up to the expectations sexually. Yeah, that's my rant. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about how that scene did not age well either, just in terms of it was a joke at the time. And I remember vaguely watching this movie and thinking of it kind of like a joke, in part because we never see her reaction to the consequences of it. You know, we see them at the end having some online relationships. So she's obviously like, I guess not like holding a grudge or whatever. Yeah, just with our ideas now about revenge porn and and consent and violation and like all of these major, major issues that have come up, especially in the last five years. I I saw it when it came out and I, I do want to say I did 
medium enjoy it. Like basically American comedies are not really for me and sex comedies are not like the whole genre is not, it's not really for me. But I remember liking Alison Hannigan, that particular character's arc. And I love that she was a perv. So there's a, like that. So there's a few things I remember I liked. And I remember at the time I was like, oh yeah, broad comedy, broad comedy, broad comedy. And then when I watched it again this time, I was actually like, oh my goodness. And I was like, this is how you raise a generation of rapists. Like I was actually like shocked when I was really watching it and really listening to what they're saying. Again, I know it's like a, a Hollywood sex comedy. Like I do want to just always like say that, that I'm not trying to say it's something else. But the very first joke was like, what's that? Some shit on the woman's channel with pantyhose? Like that's like literally the lowest common denominator joke about women's TV that is possible. So I was just like, whoa, the bar's on the ground. But it was not the movie itself. It was like the water. It was just like, it's just a, a sex comedy coming up in a rape culture. But I was, I was, I was, I was a bit, I was like, whoa. So yeah. anyway, and yeah, Nadia was just some, she's not even a character. She's like a porn shell. So yes. that was like, she was just a shell of, a, of an idea of someone that grew up wanking off to porn and being like, I'll make the perfect woman. I mean, just the whole way that her character gets naked and starts creating her own porn scene, like as though that's how women are, or that's how she yeah. would be. That is very much like a male fantasy idea of what a woman would do. And I know it's a comedy, like, we, you know, we're all aware that they're like, you know, they're not going for A plus realism and here. I even think they're going for a tongue in cheek. Like, I think that they knew that they were doing that, sure. but they didn't sure. do anything about it. And then exactly. therefore they've just <laughs> made exactly character. Yeah. I have ideas like that. I would never right. in a million years present myself like some porn balloon like with very pretty breasts and a face. It's a balloon of the male gaze with a very pretty female with some yeah. false breasts. If you think about it logistically, like she's going from ballet, are there no change rooms in her ballet school? <laughs> and why are they talking about this in the hallway? Like they're making arrangements for her to change in his room in the hallway of the high school. Like, what is this? And why would it be his bedroom? Why would it not be the bathroom yeah. if that was the case? Or why wouldn't she just stay in whatever she was wearing? Porn rules. Isn't it like, you know, Scream was like horror movie rules. I think they just use porn rules for this. Like it's actually, again, I think it's actually almost very smart, but I don't think that they knew that they were doing that. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to remake this. I'm not into remakes, but it'd be interesting to remake the fabric completely differently and to see how that, what kind of a remake that would be. To try and do like a similar kind of like sexy Hollywood comedy, but based on the culture we live in now with all of the things we know now. Or to do, so to try and do the sort of thing American Pie was doing, but even kind of take it meta and then make fun of what American Pie was doing. Like, what do you mean? To remake American Pie and like how I feel like, again, like with that character, I just forgot her name, the Nadia. Nadia. And I don't know what it is, but to do something. So yeah, so, so a remake. So the same actual even story, like the same perhaps characters and everything, but then to do something so that to not just perp, because there's certain, I think when, I feel like when there's the beginnings of parodies that'll parody it, but not really. It's kind of just like making fun of it very gently, but it's still really serving the same meal. Mm. But then you can do something and really parody that is just something else. Like you really tell something or you really insert something or do something something to it. The more I'm talking about it, I feel like the writers, I feel like they, 
it's funny enough that I feel like they must have been smart enough to realize that they were following porn rules. Like even just with those terrible plot points that are not organic at all, makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, or um, the music. Yeah, so that I guess is what, where I just feel like, see, I see how that seems like conscious, like self-conscious, yes, yes. but then self-conscious to do something with it. If you're just self-conscious, then it's just kind of like, okay, you know what I mean? It's not quite a parody in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. And I think you're right. It's, it's obvious that there's a, a self-awareness of using porn tropes, but it was in the service of offering a hilarious fantasy that plays right into the male gaze rather than making any sort of comment on the male gaze. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was much, that was better than what I said, but that's exactly what I meant. Yes. I mean, I was repeating in other words, what you said. So yeah, yeah. we both got there in the end. Well, it's also, if you think about it, like it's titled American Pie, like this is like apple pie, Betty Cooper kind of stuff. And you do have this character that is kind of Betty Cooper because she's just so nice. Like, oh, I need help with my homework. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then the fact that like he goes, like Jim goes and fucks an apple pie. I, I don't really know what they're trying to say with that because are they trying to say that America isn't as pure as it actually presents itself? Well, that's, a, I mean, American Pie to me, the title is American Vagina. It's, I never it's, thought it's about vagina pie as yeah, vagina. America. So many possible readings. I, uh, I also thought that Oz was an interesting character because he starts off, uh, I actually think he's a redeeming character. Yes, he, I agree. Because he starts off, he's this like lacrosse jock that is just interested in getting laid. And then by the end, he doesn't have sex because he's not about sex. It's about having this connection with this person. And he went into being a sensitive choir boy and he was doing it to get laid, but it actually impacted him and made him into a sensitive actual person and I think he does a good job I'm not often super keen on a lot of comedic style of acting but I thought he hit a really good note that was very big but I liked him and then his character was cool that is true I was also confused at the end my impression and I think maybe I just wasn't watching as closely my impression was that they did have sex but he just didn't tell them that he did Oh, that's an interesting interpretation because I got the impression that they didn't have sex and he just said, you know, it's not about that. Right. Either one, it shows him as a yeah. redeeming character. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they didn't as well, but it's interesting when you said that, I was like, yeah, I could see both of them. Every single thing was this show of masculine virility that seemed like rape was a completely normal part of the end of that spectrum. I just love Natasha Leone. Leone or Leone? I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Not sure. The actress with the curly red hair. I just, oh, yeah. I just yes. find her fascinating, everything she does. And then to see her in this, I felt like she was so wasted. Like no one saw yeah. her awesomeness and did anything with her. And that was just, I was like, oh, that's a shame. The girls seemed as obsessed with fulfilling the male gaze as the guys seemed f interested in, in doing. And just like, I was like, whoa, what a interesting one trick pony of a film that seems really all about this porniverse. Having said that, I still enjoyed it. It's funny. There's definitely like funny bits and it works mm -hmm. as a comedy. And it does like within the male gaze, it does present women as gatekeepers of sex because they are the ones that the men have to convince to have sex with them. So with Vicky, she mm. wants it to be perfect. And then at the very end though, she kind of comes to this realization that this isn't going to work. This isn't perfect. And yeah. that you know, it was what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think Vicky grew a lot more than 
whatever what's the dude's name she was with kevin kevin okay yeah i was gonna say kevin but then i'm like they all kind of look like kevin so i'm (laughs) (laughs) such an american boy's name from that generation i know I mean, Eugene Levy is a great actor. I'm His comedy is not usually to my taste, but it was just interesting to me, like the way that he depicted parents trying to talk to their boys about sex. Like he's trying to be compassionate. He's totally blundering it, but like not just because he's being awkward about it, but because there's that scene where they're looking at the porn magazines and he's like, look at her look at what she's saying to you she's saying hey big boy come and like whatever it was just it was just such a kind of gross narration of exactly what the male gaze is and it's like no you're not teaching your son to see women as women it's so contrasted with the very first scene so there were a couple of moments like this in the film where I was like okay somebody somebody else's voice is in here a little bit it's just not loud enough Oz is in the car with the university student and he's giving her some line I don't do you want to suck it or something which p.s me beautiful suck me beautiful sorry yes that I'm mixing it up with an experience I had with a man who once said such a charming line to me who shall remain nameless but just the way she bursts out laughing and this is what are you doing like this is not what like you have to just treat women like people like just talk to talk to women because they're people and listen to what they say and he's like what I wanted more of that in them in the movie and it was sort of there but just in this very quiet way that's what happens with Oz and the woman he's with at the end is she's like you need to treat me like a person to just like talk to me and want to be with me that moment that you just talked about, I think is another example of what I was saying, where it's so close to being a parody that almost does something. Cause actually I think he did, he did a great job because he is yeah. it's so uncomfortable. You want to die like five times every breath. <laughs> and I feel like you, I can smell his arms. I can smell his underarms. I can smell his head. Like he's very viscerally there. It's great, but he is, it's so creepy because it's true. He is. And just like teaching his boy that creepiness and it's and they're laughing at that but and i'm not sure i'd i'd have to think on it but what you could do to do and there's something you just have to pull back one more and and to then comment on it and then you have something oh my god it's interesting maybe in my old age i'll remake american pie (laughs) amazing yeah huh that's interesting I'm always kind of against remakes unless there's a reason and this one i feel like i understand how it could be I think with the way that the target demographic would react to their parents talking to them about sex, it would never, I I would hope it would never be as bad as the Eugene Levy character. But I think that we as like at that age would have interpreted it as that bad. It seems like it's more embarrassing that he had to talk to his, like had a conversation about sex with his dad than going to school and people seeing him have a sexual failure. One of the things I did like was the awkwardness because I feel like all of the characters are sexually awkward. And that is something that is very, very true. People in real life that you were kind of like, oh, they would never be sexually awkward. But the first sexual experiences you have are Mm -hmm. going to be awkward, whether it's on your webcam with your foreign exchange student or not. The awkwardness makes a lot of sense. Definitely should be there. 
Lena Dunham always had a, also just in her general filmmaking universe always has really excellent, awkward, realistic sex scenes. And it's, it's just nice to see them. Yeah. Anyway, Lena Dunham totes different thing, but I think just worth a mention because it's, mm-hmm. it's refreshing to see. I mean, I remember watching girls with an ex-boyfriend of mine and him complaining about the sex scenes. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like those are those are what sex is like hopefully not all the time but it's just very real it certainly captured some of the the reality of like you know when you sleep with somebody and you're kind of not really connecting Definitely. <laughs> yeah i heard that too a lot of different people really didn't like them and like and they were like oh no one looks everyone looks awful and stuff and i was like that's more of that male gaze like it doesn't look like pretty sex scenes with a with a thing just right across your nipples <laughs> yeah they're uncomfortable like i sometimes even have to like literally look away from the uncomfortableness but i think it's great to see even if people are connecting when they're having sex from the outside it is not going to look good also true yeah I'm yeah there was what there's one scene from girls I'm thinking of where it was like they were not connecting but yeah exactly that's exactly right yeah I'm thinking of the first episode when they're really really not connecting and <laughs> I did not like that at all but I didn't uh-huh. like it because it didn't feel respectful right okay yeah yeah which I think they were trying to get across I think that was part of it right they were very successful yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. There's just two things I see from my notes here that I want to mention. One is just very fast. And I really, really like that the sex Bible is under the library category, fluid dynamics. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to catch that. Yeah, yes. I didn't either. <laughs> that is great. I thought that was good. Good job. Props department. One of the other realistic things it shows. So Kevin and I'm sorry, I forget her name again. Vicky. Vicky. Vicky's complete unawareness of what it is she wants out of sex or what sex even is or what she should be getting out of it is very realistic her friend saying like have you ever had an orgasm and she's like I I think I had one once it's like oh no you'd know like you have not had an orgasm and just how she's you know she's obviously not demanding that from her boyfriend like she's going down on him all the time but she's not demanding reciprocation and so and it's not that he's not willing and so finally he figures it out but like even when they go to have sex and he's like how do you want to do it and she's she looks like i don't i don't know it's the thing dan savage talks about all the time where men come to a sexual experience having like a really clear idea of what's going to work for them and often teenage girls or young women come to sex having no idea And so it's like, there's this imbalance in terms of self-awareness and therefore like how much you're going to kind of advocate to yourself for yourself, or even kind of know what to expect such that like, whether or not the other person's behavior matches that women just don't, aren't taught to know what they should expect. And it's really dangerous sometimes because it, you know, it can lead to bad sex. Sure. But it can also lead to rape. And to a lesser, like, uh, danger degree I guess it can also lead to just being in situations that you don't want to be in because you don't understand your boundaries which then leads to like the potential of rape yeah exactly and I think it's women's sexuality is written off so frequently like I I tried to make a mental note while I was watching this did the women ever say I want this and the one that does it is the band nerd Uh, What was her name again? Michelle. Michelle, yeah. So Michelle is a band nerd and is supposed to be this goody-goody two-shoes. And then she's the one that is so sexually clear. 
she's yes. like brings Jim into the room. She's like, this is how we're going to do it. She like, they bust up the room. It's amazing. She stuck with me. I remember I was like, that is awesome. That is what I've remembered about the film. And yeah, that's worth commenting on again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actress is Allison Hannigan. Yeah. That's a really remarkable character and a especially great and remarkable character in that particular film. Mm-hmm. I think stand and- out. So for me, it was a really important moment too, because I went to band camp and I played the flute. So when this is happening, I'm like, and when I'm in the theater, I'm like, oh God, I know what's happening after this. Like there's going to be consequences. But the other thing too, is that being in the band in high school, the band people were having so much sex. There were private Oh, you know, wow. practice rooms. A lot of stuff was going down. Practice and, rooms. Yes, practice rooms. <laughs> <laughs> so, but because wow. of it, like you had a very sexually educated demographic mm. within the band. We had a really sexual high school year. Like there were people having orgies in grade nine <sighs> regularly. Almost every weekend you could find a group sex party of Humbersiders. I went to an all girls private school <laughs> and the two people in my grade who had sex Everyone was, ah, oh, it's amazing. They've had sex. It's like so like risky and I can't believe she did it. That was the fucking scandal in my high school. So a range of experiences. Range of experiences, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, cause I'm, I was invited into a few orgies in high school also. And there was also, we had a few STD outbreaks. There was oh. a lot of teen pregnancy. So wow. yeah, but I mean, it's wow. also growing up uh, in Northern Ontario. It's sort of like a different mm. like thing. Like, what do you have to do? Sex, drugs, and snow machines. Even in downtown in grade six, there was a girl, we were so young, she, we all thought she got fat and she got pregnant in grade <gasps> six in my school. Whoa. And then we found out what happened and she had to give the baby up and she came back to school. We had that well, and her boyfriend was like some creepy age, like 27 or something like that. I had a friend that had a baby in high school at 18, but that was a, that was a, a, di- a different kind of thing sure. and chosen, obviously. We knew what was going on. Because I looked so much younger than I was, I actually was very protected from the male gaze because mm. I just didn't catch on. Like people didn't see me on their radar because I'm, oh, you're a child. No, I'm actually 16. But it actually was a really good thing because it mm. meant that I was an observer for a lot of things while not being negatively directly impacted by them. Mm. We had talked about the size difference between you and I, and I actually have the opposite. When I was just turned 11, so 10 years old, I looked like a, I looked actually not that much different than I did now. I was maybe an inch smaller. And I remember being on a cruise with my parents in somewhere where there were still like sailors, like a bunch of horny men got off a boat and I was completely whistled down by all these guys. And I remember that first time I was like, oh, I must be doing something. So I just right. like toned it down and was like, right. Oh. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was somewhere in between those two, but because I went to an all girls school on a daily basis, I was just protected from it in that way. Like I was exposed to it at dances. And, you know, when we started socializing with some of the boys from the boys school, my God, my teenage years were a very particular brand. I just wasn't ever interested in dating anyone until the very end of high school. And then like neither of those things worked out. And so then I like didn't date anyone until university. So I was a late bloomer. I'm grateful in retrospect for having been protected from it during my teenage years because I didn't have to deal with basically a whole level of bandwidth that I think a lot of people did. 
Because mm-hmm. I always felt pretty confident around certain aspects and I didn't realize how much I internalized it. I think I was like literally 37 yeah. and New Year's Eve, I was dancing. And then some guy came up, danced up to me and I was like, no, thanks. And he's like, you can't dance like that and expect me not to dance up to you. And I still went, okay. And then I st- went and stood by the wall. And then I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. that was my reaction yeah. not that long ago. And then my, I was with a male friend. He's like, do you want me to say I'm with you? And I was like, no, like, I don't want to be pretensies to keep the guys away. I never got back on the dance floor after that. So I was like, that's sad. And I was shocked when I really thought about that, that that was me. And that's what I had done with all that information. Yeah. I mean, I still find there are moments where I blame myself for those things, or I think, oh, I shouldn't wear this thing because I don't want to garner this kind of attention. And it's like, there is a link, but it's not like I'm causing it. And I do think that this is connected back to American Pie, where Vicky isn't able to articulate what she wants. Just seems like we are frequently reactionary. Yeah like women rather than the initiator and so when you do have women who are I want this it's really rare like the Michelle character is so so rare yeah it's true that's a good way of putting it that we're reactionary I've sort Mm -hmm. of had that thought like half thought a few times lately but that's exactly right and it's it's hard to develop your own autonomy when you're constantly reacting to to like this gaze and these expectations and these accusations about more than ever before we talked about our own experiences in it yeah. more than which is just interesting and I tend to bring that out in people oh, it's, it's great it's great I love it and also what just the last bit of conversation I realized just even with my own friends because I've always been friends with a lot of guys and a lot of girls often more men and bo- well, boys when I was little. But I remember just girls plan what kind of guy they want and guys often plan what kind of girl they want, but what kind of sex they want, what kind of dinner they want. Like it was like this list of what they wanted and the girls were all kind of what kind of guy did they, so I just, I didn't put that together until today. I think it's just mm-hmm. culture. So you're just not, and then, cause I was also like, I, I want this and this and this. And when I'm dating, I'm like, you come do this and you pick me up then and then you'll see me this time. And then you do this. And so some people really took to it. And some people thought I was like outrageously cruel, a sociopath even. Like people <laughs> thought it was like, there was something super wrong with me. I love the character of Michelle. Did I get that yeah. right? But, but that's really interesting that women aren't taught or even we're not even really allowed to think about it unless you then then you're in a sex comedy is like the wild slutty one at band camp like then you become like a trope in a comedy if you have desires but Allison Hannigan really owned it she she did the character so innocently and so owned it was lovely yeah Mm -hmm. and I mean if you think about it like the women who have autonomy and who are dominant are like the outliers because Jessica is also that way she tells Kevin tell Vicky that you love her that's how I was duped into her first time and it's sort of like oh so she's like presented as kind of I don't want to say a witch character, but I do feel like she is like the witch with sage advice. And she's the one who has had an experienced life, even though she's around the same age and is able to provide guidance. Yeah. But no one really listens to her. Wait, Lisa, did you post something recently about the crone character and how the crone is actually about somebody with like a lot of life experience? Like she, you're right. You're right, Mary Margaret. She is that. 
reading about the crone and I was like, yeah. And I was like, that's kind of me. So I was like, let's bring back the crone. Cause it just like, I know like people think of it as this old hag, but just reading about, yeah, about it in this literary sense, I thought it was super cool and it's true. So I feel like the filmmakers knew Natasha Leone enough. To, they saw her coolness that, that she's a teenager that can have that kind of character vibe. Cause yeah, yeah. crones are often seen as terrifying, right? Like old crotchety, oh, yeah. like witches. Like, that's how they're portrayed. It's yeah. true. But they do have the wisdom. So if you're not afraid of them and you're yeah. not afraid to listen, you get some good stuff. But it's sad to me that Natasha Leone's character, whose name didn't stay in my head. Jessica. Jessica. It's sort of sad that her advice though was like, that's how I was duped. Like, wouldn't it be great if her advice was like, the uh, I don't know what, like, what it would be after think about it, but the other way, as opposed to the dupage, like more like do this, like, Hey, I've learned this. So do this. So I guess it's just in the same helpless universe that they're in. I think that she realizes the limitations of her power because she also is the one who spreads the rumor about Finch and how he's well endowed. Mm -hmm. And she understands how to work that system and her power with other women. And there was something else about her that I really liked. Oh, I think also because I'm not sure if her as an actress had her heroin addiction at this point, but I do kind of wonder about how her own personal experience influenced her within this role. I don't know about this. Can you say more about this? Oh, yeah. So, um, sorry, what's her name? Natasha? Natasha Leone. Yeah. Yeah. So she ended up having a really significant heroin addiction. And I think that her character in Orange is the, in the New Black, I'm not positive about this, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's a little bit based on her life. Her, her yeah, own, I've like, read story. about that. Yeah, because she's a society New York girl with a heroin addiction. So often she's played characters that have that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it does really make sense that even though, like when I was watching her, I'm like, oh my God, she's so young. But I still felt like she had this like crone element to her because she knew things. Dramatic. Yeah, it's like a dramatic weight is how I always felt. And even her voice seems gravelly and like she's been places. Yeah, I I think she's a really tremendous actress. Yeah, and with her, there's also a redemption element because when she's dancing with Finch at the prom, she's like, "I bought you a flask because I felt bad for taking your two hundred dollars to spread this rumor Mm. for you." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it actually does show that she is like this good character and has Mm -hmm. values. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I was really interested in is, uh, and I don't like calling it this, but the female orgasm, (laughs) um, I just, it infuriates me that as someone with a uterus, I have to have an adjective in front of my orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I have orgasms. I do not have female (laughs) orgasms. Preach. Yeah. No adjective. But the issue is, is that um, I kind of say that like the 90s was like living in the cult of the penis. And I like to refer to Varsity Blues for this because there's a scene in Varsity Blues where the guy from Dawson's Creek, he actually is in sex ed class and he names off all of the euphemisms for penises. Mm. And there are so many and there is not the equivalent for women. 
And so I worked um, at Harlequin in erotica for about 10 years. And one of the things that I really noticed is that there wasn't enough language around women's pleasure, around women's Uh genitals. And frequently when um, women's genitals are talked about, they're talked about in a negative way. I don't know, like I had this like huge fear in high school that, you know, my vagina smelled like fish. Because that is what we are told. But Mm -hmm. men don't get that same thing. Mm -hmm. They aren't told that their penis smells. And it changes the relationship with oral sex. Because if you think that your vagina smells bad, how comfortable are you going to be when someone goes down on you versus a man who's just like, you know, suck me beautiful. I feel like this movie was really important to bringing attention that women can have orgasms. But again, like both of you, Lisa's, have been saying (laughs) that it hasn't actually been pushed to the limit of allowing women to be empowered by it. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, oh, you have the ability to have this pleasure, but Mm -hmm. it's never brought to the like, go out and find your pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Except with Michelle. But yeah, it's not. She's the outlier for sure. Like that's. And I even think her character, while she's so awesome and beloved, I think she was supposed to be made fun of in the context of the film. Like, it's not like, Mm. go, she's amazing. It's more like, oh my God, she's such a sex fiend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say just, I had to write this down because I'm so tired and when I forget when you said the 90s was the cult of the penis, that reminded me actually of Stephanie uh, Avery when she was on. She said in the 90s, feminism was just yelling vagina so I was like so the 90s when it was the cult of the penis if you just yelled vagina yeah you needed to be a feminist so I just had to make a comment yeah like I think about my sex education and I Mm -hmm. had I actually had I would say a pretty good sex education because strangely I took gym class up until grade 12 I didn't take it in OAC one of the things is that there was all of this talk about male and like and how they connect with sex and Mm. like their orgasm because you know there's actual like a substance when they have an orgasm but sex ed was never talked about in the context of pleasure and Mm. it was always done within the gatekeeper situation of women have to like protect themselves and this gatekeeper thing is so so dangerous because it's why like when I was in high school I just didn't understand why people were having sex because it was never said if I have sex I'm gonna have a really good time it was like no if I have sex I lose something which is really fucked up and the man has or boy whatever you want to call him has all of the pleasure like there's a significant imbalance between the two I have to say that my private girls school in the 90s did a remarkable job of doing the best it could with sex at the time. A lot of it was, here's how you don't get STDs. Here's how you put a condom on a banana. Here's how you, whatever, whatever. Here's a birth control pill. I think we like spent two seconds on the IUD, which nobody knows about. And I have one and I love it. And I just want to give shout outs to IUDs. It doesn't work for everybody, but if it works for you, it's great. But I remember this was not part of the curriculum, but I remember my gym teacher saying a few times and and trying to drive the point home. Like, also guys, this should feel good. Like that's the point of it. And she said it and we were like, some people laughed and people like me were like really uncomfortable because it's like, kind of like your mom saying it to you, but 
but the, I'm actually in retrospect, I didn't, I didn't like her gym classes in general. I didn't think she was very nice to me because I was bad at sports. In retrospect, I have a deep respect for the fact that she said that to us because the fa- it's never said. To yeah, women. I yeah. am older than both you folks by a bit. So I had an even older school, but this is literally, and actually I will add what my friend said because it went down in history in all of our minds. We were told <laughs> the man will take his pleasure roll over and turn off the light verbatim. And then Malika, my friend goes, maybe they do that to you. <laughs> so that's, that's the sex ed that I had. Yeah. I'm so, she was such a great friend to have in high school. Cause like, you know, in those things that like no one would say it. And then she said it and she'd get in trouble and then we'd get sent out and we were all like, thank you for saying that. But yeah, that was literally like that's literally what we got for sex ed. And we got the banana on the condom, but like, it was like, as if it was this disgusting thing, you do this. And it was literally l- ludicrous sex ed. So we actually had wooden flou- phalluses made oh. that I, I hope that they were made in shop class, but <laughs> <laughs> on the lathe, you know, you have a bunch of, you know, shop guys making penises. <laughs> oh my God. That just reminded me of when you're talking about the cult of the penis. My friend Akemi said in Japan, there's a whole penis, a week of a penis festival. It's a fertility festival. And they literally have kids holding like penises on sticks that are like candy colored for like the festival. And she knew there was a Japanese artist that made a vagina canoe and be like, Hey, I'm going to take my vagina canoe to the penis festival. And she was immediately arrested. That was just a really interesting thing of, yeah, that I remember in the art, it was an, you know, an art and it was an activist movement. I think she was aware it was going to be negatively taken, but she was arrested, I think for even a long time with her vagina canoe in the penis festival. This is such a great episode for additional folded in personal stories. Yeah. Yeah. Buckle up listeners. (laughs) I'll, I'll put a warning in the show notes. I swear a lot. I'm sorry. If oh, so do I. Sorry. <laughs> At first I didn't, I did. I would say we weren't explicit because I'm like, I don't think we swore. And then I'd always get a notice during the week. That's because I guess someone, or they listen somehow. And then I, now I just always mark explicit. Cause I think we just swear without even noticing. And probably also saying words like vagina. I, I, I bet you there's something like, there's like a level where if we talk about sex at all, we might get an explicit rating. I know yeah, on yeah. Facebook that if you have penis or vagina in any of your posts that they get less traction. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I messaged, I think it was LGBTQ news. And I was like, I don't understand why you're not saying penis and vagina. And they're like, oh, this is why. And I'm like, okay, I understand now. Oh, wow. But also if you think about it with how um, in American Pie, when Vicky talks about sex, she's always like, do it. Like She yeah. has no language to discuss what is going to happen. Yeah. And that's actually really disturbing how people can't talk about, like, it's almost discouraged to use like appropriate language. At least that's what I found when I was, not from my parents, but from the world when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And also the word penis, like, I actually think penis is a really fun word. It just makes me want to have like Muppet arms and be like, penis, (laughs) (laughs) The vagina doesn't have the same like catchiness to it. And that's so unfortunate because vaginas are amazing. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. There's, yeah, we have very different relationships to those two words, despite the fact that they're both like the technical scientific names. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Some of the synonyms like cock and dick, Mm -hmm. like they're kind of fun. But when you look at vagina, it's like pussy, which is like a cat. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just don't, I don't feel a connection with that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's so many other words, but I can't even think of them like slit or hole or honey pot. Like all of these are really poor. A friend of mine actually has a poem where she spent quite a bit of time thinking the same thing. And she wanted to research and she asked around all the different names of for vagina. It's um, Hanan Hazim. I'd recommend we go, we can all go check out her poem afterwards. But I remember her just saying the difficulty in finding them. And then a lot of them were derogatory. Cause that's well, what I, the ones I, was, I know. Yeah, exactly. Like, like cunt, right? Like that is definitely. And even the ones, again, I guess just g- being with like my, all my male film crew. And I was like yeah. one of the guys, they were on, on often quite funny, but like just awful, like stuff like stink mitten. And like, just like, that's like the kind yeah. of, oh, yeah. that's the kind of thing I mostly, and I, I could, I can't actually think of them on the spot, but I probably could think of like 20 in that yeah. realm. Um, oh. So it was interesting to hear Hanan, the, the, the labor of finding a, a long poetic list of ones that are more beautiful or romantic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had talked about collaborating with me as the Uber marionette with white clothing and to uh, project all the different words for vagina onto me. And I, we hope to do that someday. Cool. So I actually really like the word cunt, but I don't like it within the context of ana- anatomy. I don't use it very often, but every mm. time I hear it, I'm like, yeah. I, I lived in, I never really heard it that much growing up. I don't know, just I was sheltered or whatever, but I then went to live in Scotland for two years. It was never a word that was like, <gasps> like so many people are like recoil at it here. And mm-hmm. in Scotland, it's uh, it's sort of, I, I try and explain it to New Yorkers by saying like, it's, it's got the same connotations as motherfucker does in New York. Like you can say it as a insult or as a, like an affectionate term. Yeah both are, are like are used and I just heard it so much in Scotland that I'm like I'm inoculated to it now For me I think I think of gay guys calling each other cunt yeah I really I really don't like see you next Tuesday oh um I know yeah. like even just saying it makes me feel really dirty and uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I also think about and I know Dr. Phil is to blame for this but saying like the f-bomb I'm like just fucking say it it kind of goes back to Harry Potter which I know we're going into a d- little bit of a different direction but it's he who shall not be named yeah instead of Voldemort and the power by not using the appropriate words yeah. and I do wonder about how this works within anatomy like just for like not using appropriate words for like women's Mm. vaginas essentially yeah because women are so erased and invisible that's part of where our podcast came from was just like can we look at both bad depictions of women and good depictions of women and try and talk about what the differences are like what does it look like when women are portrayed as they are as opposed to men's idea of them and then the, the way that women's sexuality is erased because lesbianism has never been as stigmatized as two men having sex because it's less sexual somehow. And Hannah Gadsby even jokes just about a that cuddle. in special. <laughs> yeah. It's just a cuddle. It's a, no harm to cuddle. Right down to the words we use or don't use or avoid using. Yeah. Well, I think it's also that when you have sex without a penis, then it doesn't seem as threatening if you yeah. are like a heterosexual male. And then I also think that it connects into how we consider uh, virginity because virginity to lose your virginity, it has to be penetrative sex. And even within that, so how do lesbians lose their virginity? 
Yeah, exactly. And that is a question that I've asked a few. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, and they're like, it's like, it's different. Everyone has a different definition of it. And there is this expectation though, that like to actually have sex, it has to be penetrative. And I actually don't like using the word penetrative because I feel I, yeah, I know you're recoiling as I say (laughs) penetrative, but it actually makes it seem like my vagina is passive. Yes, it's exactly. It's not passive. It's like, yeah. I knew a woman yeah. in Edinburgh once who said that she practiced engulfment. That's actually what I was just going to say. Amy yeah, Schumer, where the comedian says, I, you are not penetrating me. I am engulfing you. So yeah. 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 We, could, we could try and popularize that. I love That's this. Been great. Please come on okay. again. Please come okay. on again. We'll do yeah. varsity blues because there's yes. some uh, stripping stripping in it. That's really interesting. Oh, and yeah. And we, we joked about episode 69, but let's have you before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, well, I'm really into talking about sex. So <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Especially so are we. in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Wait, so Mary Margaret, how old are you? Because I feel like we're about the same age. You might I'm be 40. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 39. I'm turning 40 in a couple Ooh. months, though. Yeah. I'm turning 41 in a couple months. <laughs> When's your birthday? October. Oh, okay. A couple. Okay. So a few months. Yeah. Mine's in May. So hopefully, I'm hoping to be vaccinated by my birthday, but get I'm the shot. 78 years old. I am a crone. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to be a crone. I remember yeah. like watching um, Disney movies and not wanting to be the princess, but wanting to be like the old hag with the apple. I don't know. It just seemed like she had, was having a good time and totally. there was like way less pressure going on. I like always... Ursula and the Little Mermaid. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't want to be Ursula because uh, I, I had very negative thoughts about being overweight. So oh, yeah. yeah, so that's something that I, but I can actually see if she wasn't a, an overweight character. Yeah, I would have wanted to be Ursula. So, but there is like stigma there for sure. Yeah. That stigma does not go into men because they, an overweight man has so much more value to society than an overweight woman. Yeah, we just talked about this in the uh, Amy in t- Twelve Angry Men Inside Amy Schumer, the way that men are constantly judging women for not being, you know, perfect tens or whatever. Hot enough. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And they're just not at all held to similar standards. I just read The Game and the Truth by Neil Strauss. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like they rank, he ranks women. It's like, oh yeah, she's a 10. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even know how to like deal with what is that? What is a 10? What does that even mean? I know. I mean, if you're gross. ranking me, I feel like I'm a mango. Exactly. I was on a date with somebody six months ago and he said something like he was talking about some story about some woman he was flirting with and he was like, oh yeah, she was like 10. And I was like, oh no, like I don't, yeah, I have real thoughts about dating you going forward. Oh Jesus. So that worked out really well, didn't it? (laughs) It worked out so well. It's good that he showed you who he was and that he thinks in terms of tens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a very funny scale to have in your head. I'd be like, well, I'm clearly a minus 33. I mean, exactly. <laughs> You're it's a mango. Like, I was like, yeah. Oh, God. Mango over cherry. <laughs> mango over cherry. I like it. 
But it's like, you know, um, applying these uh, metrics of measurement for women that just are on this like very linear pathway, but not actually considering the complexity of who women are. Like, I I don't know, I am way more than my body. And I'm sure everyone is. But there's so much interconnection that my social capital is connected to the way that I look. And it really bothers me because I feel like on the inside, I'm gonzo from the Muppets. But on the outside, I am yeah. not. And it's right. very confusing. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, man. Thank you for bringing this incredible conversation. My yeah. pleasure. Now that, that we've said, we've said it, it, we've we got to get, get it. it. Woo. Woo.